Welcome to the PSD cast of Power Systems Design. I'm your host, Jason Lumberg, and in this very special episode of the PSD cast, we're recapping the recent IEEE Energy Conversion Congress and Expo, specifically a panel organized by the Power Electronics Industry Collaborative on Workforce Challenges and Opportunities Facing the Power Electronics Industry. Today's guest is PEIC President Keith Evans, and we've got a lot to cover, so let's dive right in. Uh, Keith, welcome to the show. And before we discuss the panel itself, can you give our listeners some brief background on the PEIC? Uh, sure thing. Uh, thank you, Jason. Well, the PEAC was initially formed in 2007 by a small group comprised of uh, an OEM and both Tier 1 and Tier 2 suppliers to the automotive industry. And they were seeking the U.S to increase U.S. participation in the automotive power electronics supply chain. Soon thereafter, uh, the peak expanded its scope to, to include all power electronics. And in 2013, peak was formally launched as a 501c6 nonprofit organization with a mission to bring industry stakeholders together and leverage their collective voice to better understand and capitalize on opportunities to grow the domestic power electronics ecosystem. We've uh, successfully grown the organization to include a number of companies and academic and government laboratories uh, deeply involved in power electronics. It's important to note that the peak is all about jobs. We, we, we love technology, but, but that's certainly secondary. We want to understand gaps and opportunities in the supply chain. We want to influence public and private investment where we see opportunity to create jobs. And we want to foster and support education and workforce development initiatives to help fill those jobs. In 2014, Peak won uh, Department of Commerce, NIST, and Tech support to study the supply chain, something we were trying to do anyway, but we, we, we increased our financial wherewithal to do that. And it led to our publication of an industry roadmap last year, which uh, is available to all of our members and for purchase by non-members. This year, the, the peak is focused uh, pretty heavily on workforce development challenges and opportunities, which was the focus of the special session at the uh, ECCE meeting. We had mm -hmm. a really great panel of experts there represent, representing most of the power electronic supply chain. Plus, we had an expert in the supply of critical materials, including those that go into power electronics manufacturing. All the panel members uh, told me that they learned a lot from each other on the panel, and, and they, they were all supportive of, of uh, moving to have a follow-on session at APEC in 2018 to better understand near-term near and long-term domestic supply chain needs, especially in workforce development, and to better understand what PEAK can do to help fill those needs. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of jobs, one of the most common refrains we always hear about workforce development in this country is the supposed shortage of qualified STEM workers. Several years back, President Obama mentioned that, quote, growing industries in science and technology have twice as many openings as we have workers who can do the job. Um, so does the U.S. have a STEM talent shortage, and how can we begin to rectify that? Oh, boy, this is a, a, a subject of much debate. I think we'd all agree that in today's world, the role of technology increases every day and therefore the need for qualified STEM workers in the commercial sector is growing and, and will continue to grow. Yet there are many details that matter, and, and the literature offers some pretty good analysis. 
Uh, so I'm going to talk about two different reports that, that I've read. In 2015, the Bureau of Labor Statistics analyzed the STEM labor market, and they concluded that the academic sector is generally oversupplied, while the government sector and private industry have shortages in specific areas. And in further analysis, they say there might be a shortage in one geographic sector and uh, one or more, and in one or more particular job segments, but not in others. So, so as usual, the devil's in the details. In, in 2016, U.S. News and Raytheon published um, what they call the STEM Index, and they recorded a slight rise in hiring, education, and general interest in technology and engineering over the last year, while math education and general interest in science declined. But the greatest uh, growth occurred at the graduate level, yet despite years of investment in attracting more American students to STEM, that expansion was not homegrown. So I'll say a little bit more about that in a bit. But input from our panel members at ECCE showed unanimous consent that there's a significant shortage of STEM workers qualified for the types of jobs being created in the power electronics industry. Also, it, it was noted that a general STEM education may not include training in the latest technology trends, such as wideband gap semiconductor devices, which are gaining traction in power electronics, or new capacitor technology that is needed in part to leverage what those wideband gap devices can enable. So there's, there's a lot of movement to create new academic classes and majors to address the more, most important technology trends and to provide hands-on experience to ready STEM graduates for those jobs. Additionally, with baby boomers now retiring in large numbers, there's a major gap in the supply of experienced STEM workers. Also, one panel member who's with a major systems supplier stated that academic training alone cannot prepare one to be a successful systems engineer, and that only with you know, years on the job working in various subsystems can you uh, really be successful at the, at the systems engineering level. And I'd like to mm -hmm. mention an important aspect of STEM worker supply and demand at the master's and PhD levels. In order for post-bachelor's level graduates to gain, gain academic research experience in an important new technology area or sub-area, their professors have to be funded for that work. But for their professors to be funded for that work, there's got to be federal or corporate sponsors of such research. So we see a real need to kind of impedance match the, the availability of funding to professors to the needs of the supply chain. And a related point is that especially in the U.S., cutting-edge technology development is often driven by defense sector needs, which means there's a strong preference and in many cases a requirement that only U.S. citizens and permanent residents, like green card holders, can participate in the associated federal-funded uh, development activities. Yet the number of U.S. citizen and green card holding masters and Ph.D. graduates is on the decline, according to that that 2016 U.S. News Raytheon STEM Index findings. Mm -hmm. So you, you've kind of touched on this already, but um, I, I think it's important enough for, for us to highlight it again. So at the panel that, that you've been discussing, AVX mentioned uh, an education gap, and as a result, employers have to internally train candidates in materials, technology, basic electronics, and modeling skills. Uh, should the industry get more involved? in the training and mentoring side, or, or is it our education system that has failed to prepare the next generation for a career in STEM, or 
is it some combination? Like what, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it, it's got to be a combination. There's a need to continuously analyze near and long-term needs of the power electronics industry and, and to collaborate with public and private stakeholders to make sure our universities and our federal funding agencies are moving in the right direction. Certainly DOE's Advanced Manufacturing Office is uh, supporting institutes like Power America and many universities, including peak members, the University of Minnesota, which leads the Consortium of Universities for Sustainable Power, also known as CUSP, and SUNY Polytech, uh, a peak member, which plays a major role in the New York Power Electronics Manufacturing Consortium, are taking these opportunities very seriously, and they're offering great classroom training and increasingly with plenty of hands-on learning experience. But we need to do more. But on, on the private sector side, you know, they, clearly the private sector has to take a lead role to make sure to fill these gaps. For, for example, with internal training, internships, and corporate sponsorship of academic research. Because the power electronics market is evolving quickly and it's not going to wait for federal or academic policy change to take place. Mm -hmm. So if, if we're to focus specifically on the, um, the aspiring engineer, um, and we're to talk about the students specifically. Kumins um, discussed some tips for um, the aspiring engineer, and, and these included working on industry-related projects, relevant internships, choosing a thesis topic, a thesis topic related to industry challenges, professional development, and having hands-on experience. Um, but what would you, what would you recommend for students in the STEM fields? I think the common speaker was spot on in suggesting that one does well to choose a thesis topic which is well matched to near-term industry needs. Doing that enabled him to land an internship with Cummins, which in turn helped him uh, help pave the way to his full-time employment there upon graduation. The fact that Cummins has the maturity and vision to create such internships made this situation possible. So going forward, we're the peaks hoping to uh, to um, you know, recommend similar models to other members. Mm -hmm. So in, in another one of the presentations, um, and, and, and this one was at the panel, and, and it was entitled, Workforce Challenges in the Testing of Power Electronics and Energy Systems, AVL su uh, summarized some of the issues facing the testing market specifically, but they may as well have been talking about the larger power electronics industry. Um, issues like finding the right balance between real and virtual testing, recruiting and developing a qualified workforce, which we've touched on a bunch, and safety, to, um, they're about as fundamental as it gets. So um, other than fielding enough qualified workers, what do you feel are some of the key workforce challenges facing the industry? Well, the AVL helped us understand that the testing market is, is I mean, the testing's been around forever, but, but the kinds of things they're doing and building large testing systems that allow you to, to test uh, all kinds of different power electronics modules and, and systems and subsystems. But that's a rapidly growing area. And because it's so new, our universities are not yet offering specific training in that area. So this is an area where ABL might consider doing and testing what Cummins has done in electrified powertrains, creating internships for students and sponsoring their, their graduate level research. It's another area Pete might be able to help by lobbying with the federal funding agency to, to carve out new funding opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, so finally, for my last question, um, I'm going to ask you to be a little introspective. So what's 
keep doing or what can it do to prepare the next generation of engineers? Uh, great question. Um, well, I believe that individual peak members are doing a lot, um, as evidenced by some of the presentations as CECCE. And PEAK as an organization needs to understand where our efforts can make the biggest contributions. So be, because our members increasingly span the full supply chain, PEAK can present a collective voice of opportunity and need in the supply chain. So you know, it's one thing for a, uh, a, a new uh, a substrate manufacturer to, uh, to approach the federal stakeholders, if you will, but it's another to bring the whole supply chain with you and point out um, the opportunities within the supply chain and the need to collaborate within it. So we can lobby with federal funding agencies to try to influence their future research programs, which can then impact ac academic research directions and, and higher risk, high payoff federally funded research at, at companies. Um, one of the, you know, RPE has been doing a great job in, in the latter area. We're also looking closely at how we can make the PEAK website an important place for students and employers and maybe even investors uh, go, where we can showcase PEAK member job openings and internship opportunities and where we can showcase and amplify many of the great things that PEAK members are doing, such as Power America, which has its own education and workforce development program. We have lots of work de workforce development ideas of our own. For example, could we uh, entice power electronics uh, uh, device and circuit simulation software providers to provide their expensive yet powerful tools for free to academia, which would defray the cost hurdles for training our next generation of engineers who will go on to graduate and probably use that software. This is a, an area of discussion within PEAK. One thing that I've heard from nearly all of our members, it would be great if power electronics was viewed more as an exciting field to enter. Sexy is the term that's been used. I was going to try to not use that term, but I can't think of a better one. <laughs> I think the peak can help in this area too. We can feature the exciting things that our members are doing, like, like Chromis, which is developing a groundbreaking, fab-friendly substrate solution for wide-band gap power electronics. Delphi Automotive, which is launching industry-leading products across the entire transportation sector. Sandia National Laboratory, which like Kaima, where I have my day job, is developing next generation semiconductor materials called ultra-wideband gap semiconductors. Keysight Technologies, always at the cutting edge of advanced device and circuit testing technology. SUNY Polytechnic is working with the New York Power Electronics Manufacturing Consortium on a foundry approach to leading edge silicon carbide power electronics device and packaging technology. And then of course Infineon, which continues to launch industry-leading semiconductor solutions for automotive and many other applications. Also, the laboratories play a great role that we can amplify. Argonne National Laboratory is developing next-generation passivation technologies for devices and circuits, and Oak Ridge National Laboratory is, is a, a worldwide center of excellence in testing and analyzing the performance and reliability of electric vehicle powertrains. So I, I would add that PEAK is a young organization still with an important mission, and our achievements are those of our members. Power electronics is an important and growing industry which is continuously evolving and presenting an opportunity for incre increased domestic participation. PEAK has many opportunities ahead of it, and I look forward to continuing to engage with our members and to further growing our membership to do all that we can to capitalize on those opportunities. Okay. 
Thanks, Keith. I, I want to thank you for joining us today. And to our listeners, especially those pursuing a career in our beloved industry, thanks for tuning in.